some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. I'll get to the main controversy here. Let's go over the show from the start. Because they start out, once again, whereas NXT just decides to give it away uh, because they're opposed and they start out with a 20-minute girls match with a girl in a green hair and a tank. They do the opposite on AEW. They get right into whatever they're going to get into for no rhyme and reason. Uh, Jurassic Express were in the ring, and they're ready for their tag team match, and suddenly here comes Road Warrior and his brother Balding Buck. They get in the ring and double super kick the referee and leave and walk back to the back, and, of course, the camera follows them, and they pull out a stack of money that I assume that Tony Khan had given them before they went on the program and threw their fines. At, now, this is what confused me because the announcer said that they're, they're, they're paying their fines to Tony Khan, but I couldn't see Tony Khan because some goof in some T-shirt, a baggy pair of shorts, and a fucking set of flip-flops was sitting <laughs> apparently sitting in front of Tony Khan. Because he's the one that got the money, and then the Bucks walked off, and we never saw them again on the whole program. Am I being led to believe that that's Tony Khan, the billionaire owner of this entire company that has not been established as a television personality? He's not regularly seen on TV, so you don't know that, well, he normally dresses like a goddamn executive and an owner of a major sports franchise, but in this case, he dressed like he just walked off the beach. It, we're just apparently to believe that Tony Khan doesn't dress any better than the rest of these bums that come out in their fucking baggy shorts and T-shirts. Is that what we're being led to believe here? Yeah, I guess so. He was blinking like, uh, I don't know if he had too much Ritalin or he just woke up or what this problem was there. It looked like he might have just rolled out of bed dressed up. Maybe that was his his pajama outfit. I don't know, but what the fuck? So... On one show, we've got a match that nobody wants to see for 20 minutes. And on the other show, we've got a match that they might want to see, but we've got to inter interrupt it for this young bucks being in a dark place. And then after the bucks do that, then they make snide remarks to FTR and then FTR and Tully come out. The formatting of this show is, it looks like it was done in a mix master. Just put a bunch of pieces in. Hit the button on puree for a second and see how it comes out.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 224 of the Hoots Podcast. It's ironically Thursday, September 24th, 2020. I want to thank you guys so much for the continued support of this wrestling slash life podcast. It is yours truly, the nefarious Brother Adam, as Brother Carter would like to call me. But no, my name is Joshi Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. And if you want to see me do some cool guitar covers, make sure to check out Josh Lopez Music on Instagram as well. Want to send a couple quick shout outs really quick. Um, happy birthday, really quick, to Stephanie Meek Mahan. Uh, let's get that out of the way. Happy belated birthday as well to Matthew. Broken Hardy, uh, Brother Moore in the Broken Lexicon. Um, also, I want to send out a shout out to my mentor, Jonathan Hood. Shout out to Ant from uh, the Ramp Foundation with uh, with Phil and my favorite person, Issa. Uh, all you great good brothers and sisters who take the time to listen to the podcast each and every single week. Uh, Brandon DeJesus, Sam Piopo, Patrick Fritz. Uh, just the list goes on and on. Chris Zaletta, um, the guys at TBD Wrestling, Matt and um, Mitchell, uh, Matt and uh, referee Tony S. And um, again, again, just for those who are listening to the podcast for the very first time, thank you for giving this podcast a chance. This podcast is very, very different from your standard pro wrestling based uh, podcast. The show. Uh, has a lot of variety to it. We touched on a lot of life topics. We also talk about wrestling, but also you're not going to hear me pop a blood vessel on booking. I want to make this clear for those who are listening to the podcast for the first time. When there's times where I criticize the product, I'm criticizing the in-ring action because that's what matters the most to me. You're not going to hear me come on here and talk about storylines and booking because I've never been in a position where I was responsible for uh, correlating and formulating a long uh, long storyline and booking wrestling shows. I never worked in a wrestling business, so I'm not going to come on here and insult your intelligence and act like I do know what's right for wrong for booking. So you're never going to hear me pop a blood vessel over this person lost or that person lost. This, the, you know, I'm just not going to do that. So we have a lot to talk about this week. We got a pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, Clash of Champions. I'm in the midst of this G1 tour. I just finished night number four before I press the record button today here on Thursday. So I'll give you an update on what's going on with G1 and what's matches stood out to me so far later on in the podcast. Also, we got a Thoughts of Derrico episode for you at the end of the podcast. And, um, of course... It can't be a Who's Podcast without everybody's favorite new segment in podcasting in 2020. What the hell is wrong with AEW? One last piece of business I wanted to mention here before we get started with the podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, leave us a four or five star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps expand the reach of the show. And if you've subscribed to the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify... You don't have to pay for anything, and you get every single episode to you free of charge. So make sure to support the podcast that way, and bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. 
that's my baby. If you need a place to check out all the results from all your favorite wrestling shows, if you don't have the time to catch up with all the products in the world of professional wrestling, your boys got you covered at ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. Um, we have to start off with a little somber note really quick. Um, I saw yesterday the unfortunate uh, passing of World Warrior Animal, uh, Joe Laurinaitis, uh, the brother of John Laurinaitis. Uh, as you guys know, uh, Big Johnny, uh, the former Raw and SmackDown general manager and executive vice president of talent relations. Um, uh, this is a very unfortunate passing. Uh, Joe died really young, too. He passed away at the age of 60 yesterday. Um, don't know the actual uh, cause of death or anything like that, but I just want to send my condolences out to the, the family of Joe Laurinaitis. Um, it's just really sad to see a lot of these wrestlers you grow up watching and they're dying at young ages. And uh, I think a lot of us wrestling fans succumb to the fact that we know that two things. We get into a form of entertainment that's not morally correct. Yet, at the same time, we try to make it morally correct at times. I, that's another time for another time. But I want to keep it on this. When we get into wrestling, we know that a lot of these performers are going through a lot of pain. And they bust their ass for our entertainment. And, uh, unfortunately, another bad side of this of being a wrestling fan, that there are short, expectant lives uh, when it comes to this business. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish there was an opportunity for wrestlers to find a way to be more healthier down the road. Uh, but there's a lot of pain that comes with working in this professional wrestling industry. And um, it just sucks. Uh, stuff like that, it's always a reminder for you. No matter what's going on in your world, you got to be grateful for what you have. Um, keep the bonds with the people that really do care about you. And take things at one day at a time because you never know if tom tomorrow's not guaranteed for anybody. And um, I just want to send my condolences out to his family. Uh, always a big Legion of Doom fan, obviously. Um, two, uh, uh, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, maybe the greatest tag team of all time, if you want to talk about draws and being heels and what a tag team really was. I know we always talk about the Rockers, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, uh, the Heart Foundation, um, so many different tag teams, the Hardy Boys, Andrew Christian, Dudley Boys. You got to put Legion of Doom, the World Warriors in that list as well. And, um, you know, World Warrior Animal went into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of the uh, World Warriors in the class of 2011 in Atlanta, I believe. And, um... He was a tremendous wrestler. You know, Hawk was the talker in the group, but Animal was the bruiser in the group. And, um, you know, the, famous for the Doomsday device and the cool shoulder uh, pads with uh, shoulder pads with the spikes. And they had um, Paul Ellering as their manager. World Warriors are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Um, Joe and Hawk met each other during their days in Minnesota. They're from this side of the country. <laughs> I'm in the Midwest, for those who don't know. Uh, and they made their way through the AWA. They wrestled all around the United States, uh, had stints in uh, Mid-South uh, stops in the NWA, 
all these different promotions. Uh, e- even in Japan, they've wrestled out there as well. Uh, World Warriors, like I keep mentioning, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. This really brought me down uh, yesterday when I saw the news. It's one of those things, it's coming more of a common occurrence now in these days that I'm waking up to news of more and more celebrities dying. I, I don't know how to feel about that. It's just been numbing to see. And also, I want to send a, uh, my condolences out to the family of Gail Sayers, the legendary uh, running back of the Chicago Bears, um, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, unfortunately passed away yesterday at the age of 77 after a long battle with dementia. Um, so my thoughts are with Joe Laurinaitis and Gail Sayers' family. So you guys would be missed. So let's uh, let's keep the positive groove going. I don't want to dampen the mood the entire show here. So um, really quick, I want to send a shout out to three people right quick. Chris Saletta. Uh, the good brother Nate the Great at Psycho Nigiri on Twitter and King HR, who you heard on this podcast feed before, they sent me a bunch of questions. And going forward, I'm looking forward to doing more of these Q&A segments in the beginning of the podcast, kind of like our monologue portion here. Because I, there's a lot of times where I, I'll look back at a show that I record, and there's certain things that I wanted to hit on, but I forget just because I'm trying to remember so many things that I wanted to express to you guys. And I want to, I don't want to keep you here for three hours or stuff like that. You know, sometimes I did the shows with Burke Carter and go over two hours or something like that. But that just, the show went that way. I, time's not really a concern with me, but I don't think anybody needs two and a half hour long podcasts or three hour podcasts. So I'm going to try to keep this around 90 minutes per week as best as I could. There's a lot of stuff to uh, talk about in professional wrestling, and I feel it's in my right to leave no stone unturned when it comes to this podcast. So uh, I want to thank Chris. Nate and King for sending these questions because they're great. I think I got like 16 questions here. So we're going to start with Chris because uh, Chris has been a loyal uh, supporter of this podcast. Um, We'll start off with this. Do we ever get Lashley Lesnar? Yes. I think we do. I know a lot of people are expecting Brock Lesnar to come back and get into a few with Roman Reigns because Paul Heyman is now associated with Roman Reigns and he's the special consul to the tribal chief. But I actually think this could be a possibility where you bring Brock back by himself. And if you could do Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar down the road before both these guys retire from the wrestling business, I think it'd be fantastic. So I'd say yes. Next question. Who wins NFL MVP this year? There's a lot of good choices here, but my pick would be Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, What he did the other night against the New England Patriots uh, was just impressive on Sunday Night Football. I think the guy almost already has almost 10 touchdowns this season, which is insane. And... um, Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is the best um, quarterback in the NFL. And when it comes to most value, valuable players, I really believe in that that meeting. Most valuable player. You take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks, they don't make the playoffs. So I'll go with Russell Wilson as the MVP. I don't remember the last NFL player to repeat as the MVP. Can you guys give me that info? All right, next question. Who should beat Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship? 
I think Bianca Belair should be uh, Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship if um, she's going to have a long title ring. Um, I had my thoughts on Shayna Baszler. That would be my second option. So either Bianca Belair or Shayna Baszler would be my picks to take the title off of Asuka. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Mickey. If, if that was going to be her chance to get her final title run, then obviously you could give it to Mickey as well. So uh, really quick shout out to Mickey and Trish for that awesome uh, timeline documentary uh, special they had on the network last week. I watched that. And, man, I was right jam-packed into my childhood years, you know. Um, I, I always said Mickey's my first wrestling crush, and I, it was right there in their feud in 2005. And, um, yeah, that was cool to see that. All right, next question. What do I think of Asuka? Oh, no, he says, what you think of Asuka and Ronda maybe at WrestleMania? I don't know if I see that match at WrestleMania. I think there's more of a chance that Becky comes back from pregnancy and fights Ronda at WrestleMania than Asuka would. Or maybe a one-on-one match with Ronda and uh, Charlotte at WrestleMania. I I don't see Asuka and Ronda happening. Um, Ooh, this one's going to be interesting. Favorite WWS slash WWE era? Well... I think a lot of you would expect me to say the Attitude Era because that's when I first started watching wrestling, but no. My favorite era of the WWE is the Ruthless Aggression Era. Uh, if you guys haven't seen any of the Ruthless Aggression shows on uh, WWE Network, the little uh, Chronicle series they're doing there with Bruce Pritchard and stuff and Brian Gewertz, it's awesome. It's really, really cool, and I can't wait for um, season two of that to come out uh, in a couple months. I think uh, I think uh, they said that the Ruthless Aggression show will come back before Survivor Series, so I'm looking forward to that. Is there any finishes you would go back and change in WWE? Um, man, that's a good question. This is where we get into tipsy waters here. Because I want to make this clear with everybody. Like, you be a fan of how you want to be a fan, right? But I feel like a lot of us allow our fancy booking of what we would do with certain angles. Clout our judgment of the actual storytelling process that's actually happening in these shows. Now, I'm in the position where I break you down these shows, and for me, I'm getting a better understanding of why these promotions do what they do for certain feuds, certain matches. So, my perspective from you watching at home with nothing on your mind, you're not responsible for writing out articles, you're not responsible for breaking down matches or promos, me and you are in a different wavelength. So, it's, I could bring a different perspective on here for this podcast, you know? It, I have a bigger picture outlook in the business than just micro okay this person lost this was the wrong decision yada 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 so for me it's just very very subjective i don't know if i have one particular finish that i would change like would i make additions to matches that happen over the years like for example i would add cm punk with John Cena and The Rock at WrestleMania 29. Like, that, I thought that would be a good triple threat match. And that, that should have been the main event for that year's WrestleMania. So, finishes and uh, booking decisions is something that I really don't lose sleep over with. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I just don't. Um, 
has o- has the Otis briefcase holding uh, has the Otis briefcase holding gone stale? Would it have been fun to book him as double champion with Mandy by his side? No, I don't think it's gotten stale. Otis is still funny and very entertaining. I just don't think Otis needed the briefcase. Uh, I mentioned that when uh, he won the money to break briefcase after the pay-per-view. I, I, I love the concept of them uh, fighting at WWE corporate headquarters. Um, but I didn't think Otis needed the briefcase. And sooner or later, Otis will lose the briefcase to somebody. He's still entertaining. He's still cutting good promos. I don't think he's gone stale. Is it unfortunate that Manny Rose got to be shipped off to Raw? Sure. But, you know, a lot of people are going ham on Miz and Morrison for their Dirty segment to start off SmackDown last week. And I thought that was really good because they're actually having a storyline about something that they want. Like, why would you be mad at Miz and Morrison for trying to come up with a scheme to get the money... Money in the Bank briefcase away from Otis. Wouldn't that make you want to cheer for Otis more? So, uh, I, I don't think he's gone stale. And then, we got two more here. Do you think the Bullet Club Elite story will ever get finished correctly, or is it too late? Um, That just depends whether AEW and New Japan have a way to have a partnership with each other once the pandemic ends. Because... For me personally, I don't care whether the Elite and Bullet Club have a feud with each other because I've already seen variations of that in New, in New Japan when they uh, disbanded guys or kicked guys out of groups or other people are going to the WWE. Uh, I don't care whether the Elite or Bullet Club <laughs> uh, fight each other. Um, by the way, the less that I see the Elite, the better uh, we'll all be, in my opinion. And then, last question from Chris. Chris, man, you killed it with these questions this week. Uh, thoughts on The weekend and his music? I like The Weeknd. Uh, I'm not really into popular music or just general pop music today. I was when I was younger in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but week, The weekend has... Uh, the weekend's very uh, versatile. He's a, Obviously, he's a good singer. And, um, you know, get to hear his song, uh, Blighting Lights, um, which was one of the WrestleMania themes this year, was really cool. Like, that, that song got a lot of traction on radio, and I, I saw he did this song for, he played Blinding Lights, a WrestleMania theme on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I think he did it on, uh, at the MTV Music Video Awards, the, the Video Music Awards, um, the weekend's very, very talented. I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, other great songs like "Earn It," uh, "Can't See My Face." Uh, I, I like the weekend. I, I enjoy his music. So that, those are the questions from Chris. Now we're gonna transition to the questions from Nate the Great. Nate says, "What do you think made the Shield so special?" And will we ever see a stable be pushed slash presented like that again as a group and individually? Well, what I liked about uh, The Shield was the fact that they were brought in, in an era where it wasn't so fixated on perceptions of how certain characters are going to be booked. Like, yeah, yeah, you're uh, cons- certain 
perceptions here or there about, oh, if this guy came from TNA, oh, he wasn't going to get a push. Oh, if this guy came from Ring of Honor, oh, they were going to make him out to be a joke or whatever. I thought the Shield broke that norm and broke that cycle and made that perception kind of kind of passe. Yeah, are, are there times where NXT performers come up to Raw and SmackDown and there's unrealistic expectations thrust upon them because they get certain reactions from one side of the fan base and they don't for casual fans who don't watch NXT and read websites 24-7, 365? Sure, it happens. But that's the part of the entertainment business. Just because you do good at NXT doesn't mean you're going to be a draw on Raw or SmackDown. And we always thrust that onto, oh, Vince McMahon doesn't know how to book wrestlers. He doesn't know how to build younger stars. Okay. Okay, that, that's your opinion. We can't stray. We can't have... We, this happens a lot in life. We have our opinions dictate what's, what, what's right and wrong. Just because you have an opinion, just because you're being honest, doesn't mean you're talking truths. Like... <laughs> you can't twist opinion in fact. Okay, you feel that Vince doesn't do a good job with NXT call-ups. And then there's other exceptions to that as well. So I thought the Shield, what made them special is the fact they were themselves. And they were from NXT. And there were three guys that represented the reality era of wrestling before uh, John Moxley got in his feelings and decided to lead the WWE. So, uh, I've always been a big fan of Seth Rollins. You guys know how I feel about the Monday Night Messiah. And I am a big fan of the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns. I do find it interesting that people are starting to jump on the bandwagon and starting to see what Roman's always been about. But that's another uh, show for another time. <laughs> so, that's a good question. Do I think that we could see another group like that and present it like that? I don't because today's fan base is too fickle. And one second they want long-term storytelling, and then the next they want to rush people into breaking up and moving on to the next thing and yada, yada, yada. So th that'd be my answer for that. Hugh, here's a good question uh, here. What does happiness mean to you? I think happiness for me is three things. I'm being... Um, I'm holding myself accountable and that what I'm doing is showing through with what I'm doing with my life or my career. I think that's number one for me. And then number two is, uh, what, what happened? What does happiness mean to you? Uh, for, you know, just keeping a perspective that I can't lose sleep over things that I don't have control over. I'm a very self-aware person. So for me, Nate, it's like I don't go through life with feeling like I have somebody in the back of my head telling me, oh, something bad's coming, something bad's coming, something bad's coming. I, I, don't, I don't go through life in that way. I understand we all go through bad days. Life ain't all rainbows and butterflies. We all have our good days and bad days. But happiness is just understanding what I am and I'm, why I'm doing things. If I had the proper reason and purpose and I'm holding myself to a high standard and I'm holding myself accountable for my mistakes and the things I don't understand, then 
I think I'm on the right track. And I think that's the advice I'd give out for anybody. Like, you have to start forming your own identity. You have to start thinking for yourself. You got to start making decisions for yourself. Because just because you have fan members that's blood doesn't mean they're always going to be there for you. So, happiness, happiness has a lot of different meanings to me. But I just want, I, I, I really think keeping things in perspective is probably the main thing that keeps me happy. Because if I don't have context, if I don't have purpose, why am I here? You know? Uh, so I, I appreciate those questions, Nate. Those were great. Um, and then the last five questions from uh, King Ajar. Oh, boy. Here we go. Favorite rapper not named Christopher Wallace. Does Frank White count? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll probably say Eminem is probably my favorite rapper outside of Biggie. It's either Eminem or Ice Cube. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a three-way tie with Ice Cube, Eminem, and Tupac. So that list, ver- that that my rapping list varies from week to week. So, <laughs> um, won't put my won't put too much stock on my rap evaluations. But I, I think Eminem is probably my favorite rapper outside of Biggie. And um, yeah, so that that would be my answer for that question. Favorite women's wrestling match ever. My favorite women's wrestling match ever was. Um, I'll put this in two different categories. One that I saw in person. And another one that I t- transcribed. My favorite ru- women's wrestling match that I saw in person was Trish Stratus and Mickey James for WrestleMania 22. And my favorite women's wrestling match that I transcribed was, man, that's a great question. <laughs> I'd probably say, uh, probably say Sasha and Bailey from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, that's probably the best women's wrestling match I ever transcribed. I mean. I could add Charlotte and Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania this year. That that was really high on my list as far as favorite women's wrestling matches. Um, Charlotte and Ronda, Becky and um, Asuka, I'm, uh, Sasha and Asuka uh, as well, or Sasha and Ronda from the Royal Rumble. I thought that was a great match as well. Um, but I think my favorite match that I saw in person for women's wrestling was Trish and Mickey, and then covering it, uh, Bailey and Sasha. Shocker, guys, right? <laughs> uh, favorite football player ever. Oh, man. I'm going to get some trouble for this shit. My favorite football player of all time was Brian Erlacher. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. And I can't believe I, I just said that with what Brian Erlacher's been uh, saying over the last couple weeks. I don't agree with any of his politics or where he's come from with that. I just love Brian as a football player. And... Uh, before he started getting into uh, his feelings about politics, I, I just like Brian as a person. I heard him all the time about Waddle and Sylvie. Uh, he was a good dude. Uh, the teammates respected him. Uh, I thought he represented what a Chicago Bears football player was, and Brian was my favorite football player growing up. And 
I still have respect for him as a football player, but as a person and him justifying that Nimrod that went out to um, wherever it was to shoot up people after the Jacob Blake incident, uh, I, I can't I can't respect that. All right, next one. What are the three things you look for in a wife? Number one, holding myself accountable. It has to be a do a do thing like. We always hear about uh, partners having each other's backs and holding each other accountable for their mistakes and like that just internal support system. You can, to have a wife. I never been married, but just from my observations and ones that work, your wife has to be your best friend. Your best friend is there for you for every single thing that you need uh, in life. Um, it's the person for you to vent. It's for a person to hold you down and keep you grounded. It's the person to tell you to get off your ass and stop feeling sorry for yourself. I really think the first thing is just that internal support system. Because all relationships at the end of the day are just an extension of friendship. At least the ones that are sustainable. If I, If there's not a genuine connection outside of what we look like on the outside, then what's the purpose of us being with each other? Yeah, we could make excuses for, oh, I just want to be with a rich guy just to satisfy that. And, and, and if that's you, if you if you need somebody that has money just to appease you, then that's, that, that's on you, but I, I don't look at it that way. Uh, internal support system is one. Number two is... Transparency, like if we can't be uh, honest and open with each other about just uh, just real, like real like communication wise, like th- that's just not gonna work either. So I I'd probably say communication is number two, and then number three is uh, how's their soul, how's their heart, you know, what makes me connect to you. That I want to spend the rest of my life with you. So I say. um, Having an accountable partner. Number one. Number two is good dialogue. And number three. Is your soul. Is there the actual connection there? Hell. Any person could come on here and say. Oh. For for what I need for a wife. I need a wife with a big ass. I need a wife with big tits. Or whatever it is. It's, that's not the thing. I mean, you can find, you could go to a local strip bar. You could go anywhere around the world to find that type of stuff if you just need sex out of it. Uh, but you talk about wife, you need somebody who's a part of your everyday life that you want. It's the one person that you actually want in your entire life every single day outside of the chances of you guys having kids, obviously. Those are the exceptions to the rule. So those would be the my response for that. And then uh, number five, a kind of similar question to Nate: How do you cope with stress? Well, do I deal with stress? Do I have times where I feel anxiety, where I have anxiety, and I'm um, having stress? Sure, everybody everybody does. But I think for me personally, King is that. I 
I uh, have to listen to music every night before I go to sleep. Uh, there's like a wind down period I have every night before I go to bed where I'm listening to music for about two hours. Where when I'm listening to music, I'm not just listening to the music. It's my time to actually be quiet and think about what's on my mind and what's bothering me and what 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 do I need more context on? What do I need? What do I need to do to be better at what I do on here or my articles? Uh, how do I cope with stress? It's just music and thinking and taking the time to evaluate myself and holding myself to a better standard. Um, again, like like I mentioned with Nate's question, I am not going to lose energy over stuff that I have no control over or things that I don't care about. I'm just not going to do it. I did it when I was younger in high school and it fucked me up. Uh, it made me resent myself a lot more importantly. And I can't go through life just worrying about something that's things are going to happen for a reason. We're all on this journey for a certain reason, and you got to make the best of the situations that come in front of you. How do you adapt to negative things? How do you adapt to times where you are feeling stressed out, or you're burnt out, or uh, you don't know how things are going with your partner, or you give your heart to somebody, and then somebody uses it and tries to twist it around by saying they just want to be friends while they text you every night before they go to sleep. Like, I, I there's times where I dealt with stress. I deal with depression every day, and I deal with stress by understanding that I have to attack that quietly. I have to address what's happening with me to further myself. With where I want to go with life. So that's how I deal with stress. So I want to thank King, Nate, and uh, Chris Aletta for the great questions. You guys were awesome. And you guys ever want to send questions to the Hoots Podcast? All you have to do is hit me up on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or uh, send us an email, thehootspodcast at gmail.com. So. With that being said, I'm going to take a swig of water and be right back and talk about what happened in this week in the world of WWE. Alright folks, we're back. Uh, Let's get into what happened this week in WWE. And there was a lot of complaining on Monday Night Raw this week. And I I really don't know whether I liked or disliked the show on Raw, but I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. I didn't want to mention some of the stuff first that what happened on SmackDown because SmackDown is uh, doing some really, really good stuff. Uh, first of all, the Sasha Banks uh, interview with Michael Cole was fantastic. Uh, get to hear her side of the story uh, for what happened with her and Bailey. Uh, Sasha was saying that without her, Bailey's basically nothing, and I have to agree with her on that. So. That really stood out to me, and then, you know, you look like you look 
you look at uh, the other stuff that happened, I'll show you. AJ Styles had another good match with, um, with Sami Zayn. That was a fun match to transcribe. And then Jeff Hardy came out, and we found out that AJ Styles and Sami Zayn and Jeff Hardy will f- resolve this conflicts around the Intercontinental Championship at Class Champions in a triple threat ladder match. So I thought that was really, really cool. And then, of course, what, everything that's going on right now with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso is, fan, is fantastic, especially that video package that was narrated by Paul Heyman, the special counsel to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Uh, speaking of Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman was recently a guest on WWE's The Bump, and they're asking Paul Heyman, what's the distinction between what you do with Roman Reigns and be the advocate for Brock Lesnar. Well, um, first of all, I I, I, I I threw out the name manager in, in 1991. 1991, I figured, you know what? A manager is Captain Lou Albano, Freddie Blassie, the Grand Wizard, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And, 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 and these gentlemen were on top of their game as a manager. And, and then I, I had inherited the role this is back in the days of of the awa and wcw and wanted to do something new and different and and innovative and and progressive and 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 move the 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 understanding of the role forward just like wwe doesn't say this is wwe wrestler we say it's wwe superstar i didn't want to be a manager so at first i was the ceo of the dangerous alliance and I've used many different titles uh, over the years. I've always felt myself to be an advocate because I advocate the position of my client. Um, my father, who was a personal a personal injury attorney in the Bronx and a Jew, which makes him, by the way, a great personal injury attorney. Um, my father was an advocate. My father would stand in front of a judge and say, Your Honor, I'm just an advocate. I'm advocating on behalf of my client. And and I feel that today's role of the manager is an advocate. Um, we're done with the days of distracting the referee and tripping the opponent. I don't get physically involved in, in matches, and nor should I. Nor should I. I'm not a physical threat to anybody. Um, I'm a strategist. I'm a spokesman. I'm an advocate for, for Roman Reigns. I do something different, though my role is that of an advocate. I serve, serve as special counsel to the tribal chief, because a tribal chief does not need a spokesman, nor does he need to to have someone advocate his position. A tribal chief needs a special counsel, one who advises, one uh, who can bestow upon Roman Reigns the benefit of of 30-something years of experience in this industry, one who can then advocate the position if needed in front of an audience, or at the same time simply serve to advise him, counsel him on the position he should take when he uses his own oratory skills. Counseling him was something we saw, and uh, for some people, was shocking when we first saw you two sitting together at SmackDown a few weeks ago. 
myself, others in the WWE Universe believe this could have been something that might have been in the works going all the way back to WrestleMania 31 when Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar faced off for the WWE Championship. We know what this relationship and how it started this time around. You've already answered that for us. But had you ever considered any kind of business relationship with Roman in the past? I've considered a business relationship with Roman since before he was ever born. I've known Roman Reigns' family longer than Roman Reigns has been part of his of his own family. I, I was I was 15 or, or 16 years old and would need a ride because I was a I, I was a photographer. And I would need a ride to Vincent J. McMahon's television tapings for what was then called uh, Championship Wrestling and All-Star Wrestling in Allentown in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. And I would ride at times with Roman Reigns' father, Sika, and his uncle, Asa. Uh, so I have been support, supportive and supported by uh, the Anawaii family for, for for 40 years now um and and, and, and honored to be so so um you know I, I knew roman reigns when he was in pensacola uh back back when he was a baby and then his father would bring him to the matches so uh, you you always knew from from the moment this child was born you knew this was going to be the single biggest star in in, 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 in our industry, in, in especially, he, he had the magic. Even as a baby, he had the charisma. It was something very special about Roman Reigns from the day that he was born. You're clearly connected to this Folks, we just went to wrestling school right there. Paul Heyman just broke down Literally everything you need to know as to why he is the advocate. No, it's not scratch. He serves as special counsel to the tribal chief Roman Reigns. So I, I love that. Uh, let's start. Let's start down the positive side. Uh, more on the positive side, we'll go as we transition to Monday Night Raw. Really loving the hurt business. I am a mark for the hurt business. Cedric Alexander is doing his best work right now, and that's even saying a lot for a guy that was a former NXT Cruiserweight champion. Uh, the Hurt Business is just the real deal. It's one of the best factions in wrestling. I keep saying that uh, Chris Jericho should take notes from MVP as far as being the leader of a, of a group. Uh, I'm all in with the Hurt Business. Somebody needs to give me that t-shirt now pal uh really quick uh the triple threat tag team match to to figure out who's gonna fight the street profits at the pay-per-view on sunday i thought that was a good match too i think dominic and uh uh humberto carrillo could be a really good tag team down the road so i like to see more of them and then we got to get into uh really quick raw underground (laughs) was awesome this week. <laughs> Braun Strowman and Dabakato being the shit out of each other. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Tour Ruas had one of the best uh, sessions, uh, scrimmages in Raw Underground that I've seen so far. Props to Shane McMahon, and he, he was recently on um, uh, After the Bell with Corey Graves, and he was explaining the process behind Raw, Raw Underground. It was really interesting, so go check out his appearance on Graves' podcast as well. So, uh, Dig Raw Underground as well. 
I thought Raw was okay this week. It wasn't something that I was drooling over. What I didn't like this week as I started off with this is the the fact that Jerry the King Lawler is back on commentary. Why? Why do we need Tom Phillips, Jerry Lawler in the same booth? I, I don't even mind Byron Saxon. Believe it or not, folks, I actually like Byron Saxon's commentary. I, I really don't mind him. But why do we need Tom Phillips and Jerry the King Lawler? And yes, I'm hoping that Samoa Joe does return to the ring sooner or later. But I liked Samoa Joe on commentary. Look, I liked the, I liked the appearance King had on the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold. But we don't need Jerry Lawler to be the lead heel play-by-play guy anymore in 2020. I... I just don't know why he's back, so I, I didn't understand that. And then we have um, two things that people are just really going on, on a soapbox about this week. Shocker. Somebody is going on a soapbox over something that happened on Monday Night Raw. Let's start off with this a little educational stuff here with uh, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. So... I think people continue to miss the premise of why these two are feuding with each other and why this has been a year-long feud. Oh, wait. WWE doesn't tell long-term storytelling. They don't do long-term storytelling. Jeez, I can't spit out because it's ridiculous that I have to even mention this. Wow, WWE actually does long-term storytelling. But people don't actually pay attention to it. They don't. We've been so accustomed to feuds going for three months, and then we go to the next thing. I get it. We're in the ADD culture. I I understand it. Some of you can't even stomach a month feud, let alone two months. These guys, in one way or another, have been feuding with each other since the Raw after Survivor Series. I keep saying this because this happened here. It was literally that town hall center where you start seeing the changes with Seth Rollins. And he is transitioning to the Monday Night Messiah. And he's taking his big first batch of Venom was towards Ray and talking smack about Dominic. Because Dominic and Ray shared a moment at... Um, at Survivor Series when they had the WWE title match with Brock Lesnar. And you look at that, it's um it, it all starts there. And then we go to the moment after uh Becky makes her announcement that she's having a kid, right? And Ray's like I know we've had our issues in the past, but congratulations, Seth. Like, he's being nice and cordial to Seth and congratulating him on becoming a dad. And then we get into the eye and the eye, eye for an eye thing. And then Seth has a series of matches with Dominic and Ray. And we had this twist now with Buddy Murphy and uh, Ray Mysterio's daughter, Aaliyah, which got brought into the uh, equation this week. Look. I love what Seth Rollins is doing. I love the Monday Night Messiah. He's pissing you off with a purpose. The reason why this feud is continuing on is the fact that 
Rollins is keeping tr- keeping true to his word that he's gonna make Ray's life a living hell. They have been feuding since May. This thing will conclude at Hell in the Cell. Everything with the the fake DNA tests and oh, do we really need to rehash the thing that Eddie Guerrero? You you guys are so narrow minded on the approach of what happens on the segment without actually acknowledging the context of what's happening. We all should have knew Ross was making that up and joking around with Rey Mysterio's family. You really think you're going to try to rehash Eddie Guerrero's DNA test? If that was the case, Ray wouldn't mention that, oh, we've been down this road. We're not going to do this again. Pay attention to the actual story that's being told. Let me pull this up really quick. I'm going to pull this up for my, uh, for my article. You guys check it out, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Seth Rollins is doing the best heel work on the mic in the business right now, and it's not even close. Let's 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 write this down really quick, okay? So he says, "You know what, Ray? You might be onto something here. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe it's Aaliyah who's not your daughter. Are you sure that's really your daughter? Because that doesn't look like something a mystery would do." So Rollins is matching the fact that after the steel cage match, Aaliyah put her hand on Murphy trying to console him after he got his ass kicked by Seth Rollins. This is all window dressing. You know how this story ends? At Hell in the Cell where Seth Rollins gets his ass kicked by the Mysterio family. And guess what? Buddy Murphy becomes a baby face in the process. All this stuff, the DNA test, the eye for an eye, the gazillion rematches these guys had. It's all window dressing. That's why this feud's continuing and that's why it's good. You guys live and die by what happens on these week-to-week television shows. What really happens, the stories that conclude the good stories, are the ones that end at pay-per-views. Two things that happen. Mysterio family get the revenge of Seth Rollins and Hell in the Cell. Or Dominic turns on his father. I just broke it down right there for you. Let's go to the next thing you guys were bitching about this week. Retribution. Supposedly the worst idea in the history of WWE. Really? <laughs> Uh, does Heidenreich ring a bell? Does Mordecai ring a bell? This is the issue I have with people who live tweet wrestling shows. You're waiting. I really do believe there's certain people that have prepared tweets for segments on these shows. I really do. We live in a society that's so based on confirmation bias that the moment something happens that fits with their narrative, they're going to push it out and make it out as that as that's the as as that's going to be the gospel. Look, if you don't like the concept of retribution, cool, more prerogative to you. 
I'm not coming out here and cap for them. I'm not uh, marking out for them or saying I'm a big mark for Retribution. I am a fan of Dominic Dijakovic. I like Mia Yim. I like Shane Thorne. I like Mercedes Mart- uh, Martinez. And I like Dio Madden. I like T-Bar. I like Slapjack. I like Mace. Yeah, the names are goofy, but that's besides the point. You guys find the, the littlest things to go on soapboxes as opposed to what's really happening. Yes, we know, the, as us as smart fans, as smart wrestling fans, yeah, we know who Dominic Dijakovic is. Yes, we know who these other people are. That's besides the point. They're joining a group for a reason because they want to affect change in the WWE. Yet all you guys are doing are, oh, this is just a fake off uh, knockoff edition on a Tifa group uh, over the stuff that's going on with the protests. Um, did you guys hear what Mia Yim had to say during that in that promo? Doesn't sound like an Atifa group to me. What did Retribution say in their segment that's been wrong or as opposed to anything you hear on any standard wrestling podcast? That WWE is a hellhole, that people are dissatisfied with creative, with the opportunities they're getting or not getting. The fact that more performers are there just to collect the paycheck as opposed to caring about the performance aspect of the business. They're mentioning everything that you guys pretend to act on social media that you hate about these shows. And it's bothering you because you're they're making a reflection. They're basically mocking you. That's what retribution is. <laughs> retribution is cosplaying what you sound like and what you vent about on social media. I can't believe that really went over your guys' heads. Retribution is a reflection of... Of all of you. Oh, why did they got WWE contracts if they want to destroy the WWE? Um, why is it a coincidence? Why is it a coincidence that Adam Pearce is always screaming at security guards whenever Retribution does attack on Raw and SmackDown? He's behind the group. It's really not that hard to process. And if you're going to let a silly name like T-Bar and Mace and Slapjack ruin the overall presentation of what the group is, that's on you. Because you're missing the point. You've got these little things that, yeah, okay, who really cares about performance called T-Bar, Mace, and Slapjack? I get that. I'm not saying this retribution group is great, but listen and pay attention to the context that are coming out of their mouth, and they're actually mentioning everything that you guys vent about on Twitter. If anything, you guys would be should be marking out for them because they're saying everything that you guys whine about every single week. So is retribution really the worst thing that that's ever happened to WWE, or? Are you unable to acknowledge the bitching and vitriol that you produce on social media every single week? That's my question to you. With that said, we got to move on.
Let's talk a little bit about the G1. Man, your boys can't burn out. <laughs> There's a lot of content right now with wrestling. I've been trying my best to type out these articles and get you G1 articles every single day. Uh, we're past the second wave of matches. Uh, the first two set of matches for the A block and B blocks. Uh, right now for the leaders on both sides, uh, we got um, Jay White on the top. Really quick for the A block and Naito tied with uh, Juice Robinson and Toriano for the B block. And um, there's been some amazing matches <laughs> over the last week or so. I mean, where do we start? Um, Ishii against uh, Minoru Suzuki from Saturday. Just a freaking barn burner. Uh, Abushi and Okada, tremendous match. Uh, Shingo and Jay White. Uh, it's had fantastic matches. I'm still riding with Jay White to win the G1. Um, he beat Shingo and beat Ibushi, uh yesterday. Uh, so Jay White's really picking up momentum. And then you go to the B block, you have Juice Robinson really having some really good matches uh, to start off the gates. Uh, he uh, he beat it... Um, was it Goto or... Trying to remember who he fought. Oh, Yo- he fought Yoshihashi on Sunday, and then uh, he beat Kensa today on Thursday. So Juice Robinson got four points. Uh, I say Juice Robinson and Kensa probably had the best match for night four, as far as I'm concerned. That match was fantastic. I thought Yoshihashi had his best match <laughs> ever, probably today against Evil. That was a fantastic match, and the Japanese announced uh, team did a great job with that match. Um. Uh, what else? Naito and CSJ went on for 28 minutes today. Is the main event. I thought that was a good match as well. And then, um, you know, you you still get your solid performances from Tanahashi, Okada. I don't know why Okada's relying so much on the damn money clip. I really don't. That that corp. He's trying so hard to get that freaking Cobra Clutch over as a finisher, and it's just. I don't know. Okada needs a break for New Japan after the G1. Let's just say that. Um, I thought Hiroki Goto had a pretty solid match today with Sonata, by the way, for those who haven't checked out the today's B-Block action. Uh, New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling for uh, G1 will return on Sunday for A-Block action as we got a loaded card. We have Ishii. Against Kota Ibushi. These guys beat the shit out of each other. Every time they fight each other. Uh, it's probably my favorite series of matches. That I've done so far for New Japan coverage. Is Ishii and Ibushi. And then we got one of my favorite matches. Over the last couple years. Osprey against Shingo Takagi. That's going to be an amazing match. And then the main event of that show. Is a rematch from the G1 Supercard. Okada against Jay White. So. Uh, if you guys haven't had a chance. To see any of the action of the G1, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. I have the reference sheet uh, attached to every article that I do for each event. And you guys could follow up with the scoreboards. I had the match uh, cards for all the events as well in the reference sheet as well. I want you guys to support the coverage of the G1. It really means a lot to me. I'm putting a lot of time and thought and effort into these articles for you guys. And I hope they hope they stand out to you and make you enjoy this G1 tour 
more importantly. So uh, with that, that is your <laughs> Hoots Podcast update on the G1 Climax 30 tournament. So we're about an hour into the show. We're about to wrap this wrap this bad boy up pretty soon. Uh, we do have to get into predictions for Class of Champions. But first, folks, last week I came on here and told you what I, I, I really enjoyed Dynamite. I think it was the first episode of Dynamite that I really enjoyed in the last couple of months. Then, lo and behold, we're back to status quo this week. AW took a step back, and it's time, folks, for everybody's favorite segment, What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? And we're going to start it off with Brother Carter in 3, 2, It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Well, after taking a week off because they actually had a pretty decent show last week, I once again have more material for this segment. We started off with Miro's in-ring debut with AEW. And it was adequate at best. I it's I mean he didn't really have a ton of great moves and you know it was just knock him down, knock, you know, get him up, knock him down like brute, you know, a brute brawler type guy. We've seen plenty of that in the past. What is Miro bringing to the table in his in-ring debut? I thought the entire match was adequate at best. The only thing good about it was Sonny Kiss. Um, he, she, she, was fantastic and did a great job in the ring. So that was great. Uh, by the way, I use the interchangeable pronouns on purpose because I, you know, the commentators referred to her as both uh, she and he at times. So that was not meant to be an insult. That was meant, I use the interchangeable pronouns because that's how um, she, he wants to be described. Once again... AEW is taking shots at WWE in the Eddie Kingston promo. He said that, oh, uh, John Moxley went and sold out and went to the land of the rich or whatever. Because again, this is the only thing that AEW is capable of, is taking shots at WWE. They don't care about finding their own identity. They only care about pointing out flaws in the top dog in the world. And that's it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you, it's, and, and you can prove it because the in-ring, con, the in-ring action, by and large, is second rate. It really is with this show. Kenny Omega is awful on commentary. He's overrated. Uh, I'm, and I'll say it. I don't care about the young bucks, and they're, and you know, they should just stick to in-ring action because they're really good at that. But in promos and stuff like that, the elite just doesn't do it for me. They really don't. Minus Cody, uh, stick to in-ring action. It's what they're good at. All right. Then we get to Tully Blanchard. He's basically saying that he has creative control over the entire tag team division and that the rankings don't matter. He comes out and he says, well, now I'm going to dictate who they, or we're going to dictate who we face. And the 20 minute time limit thing is 20 limit brushes with greatness. It's not a draw. It's if they don't beat us in 20 minutes, then they don't win the titles. And then the, or they don't get the victory. And then they're probably going to go out and cause disqualifications and stuff like that to keep the titles on them for a long time. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Tully Blanchard is making self-booker and saying that the and saying 
that the rankings don't matter, even though AEW is trying to tout that. Ladies and gentlemen, the officiating in AEW is noticeably bad every week. Their timing is wrong, their movement is slow, and their cadence is inconsistent. A good referee should be unnoticeable in a match. If you're a good referee and doing your job, you should not be, people should not care about you at all. And I, and I hate to say that, but that's, that's just part of the deal of being a professional wrestling official is the, the focus is on the in-ring competitors, not the referee. When you're noticing the referee, it's a problem. And you can see, like, uh, Rick Knox especially, it takes him a long time to get into place, start making the cover. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And that's all I'm going to say this week. Uh, you know, the final match, Eddie King, you could say, what did Eddie Kingston do to deserve a title shot? Um, but I think I really think it's because they had AEW had to pull an audible with um, with what happened to Lance Archer um, and his and his COVID nineteen diagnosis. Speedy, uh, we wish him all the best in his speedy recovery. But other than that, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been what the hell is wrong with AEW. Thank you, Brother Carter, for the submission, my man. He is the good brother of all good brothers. Welcome, everybody, to the most highly requested segment in all professional wrestling. It is, What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Well, let's start it off with this. Chris Jericho, get off my television. Let's start off with that. Secondly, please... For the love of God, I, you know, I can't stand listening to my voice at times when I'm editing the show. How do you think I feel when I hear Matt Jackson cut a promo or do a backstage interview with Alex Marvez? That was just absolutely brutal. Brutal Bob Evans-esque. Okay? Secondly, Kenny Omega, please stop doing commentary. It's bad enough we have a bad three-man booth with Excalibur, JR, and Tony Schiavone. Why we need a fourth bad commentator? I had to put Dynamite on mute during the Hangman Page Evil Uno match because the commentary was so bad. Let me hit on some of the points that Brother Carter hit on there. For example, Miro's in-ring debut. The match sucked. I'm just going to be blunt and straight to the point, folks. That match, in my opinion, sucked. Uh, just a sloppy match. A match that you would have on AW Dark. I don't know why that match was booked as to start off the show like that. If you want to have it in the middle of the second hour or during the first hour show, cool. Fine. This is like a throwaway segment match. Fine. I understand that. But I didn't see the purpose of why... Miro had to fight Sunny Kiss and Jelly Jelly Nutella. So we have Miro times New Roman fought Jelly Nutella and Sunny Kiss. The only good part of the match was Penelope Ford standing at the ringside area. How about that? Let's start off with the other nonsense on the show. I'm sick of hearing FTR Cup promos. I really am. I'm not even gonna jot them down anymore. 
you you starting to see why the certain performers that didn't get storylines or promo time on television, you're starting to see why that's the case. First off, if, uh, if you have Tully Blanchard as your spokesman, just let him talk. I don't need to hear Dax Hardwood rambling and Cash Wheeler saying basically nothing every single week. Edstar is a great tag team. They are great wrestlers. But I don't need to hear them talk. They don't say anything that means anything. So they're going to do this thing where they're going to have people fight them on television for 20 minutes. And they could possibly get a shot at the AEW World Tag Team titles, I guess. I guess that's what they're going with there. Uh, best friends, you know, fuck Taylor and uh, Bre- uh, Trent Beretta come out. And they automatically want a shot just because they won the parking lot fight. So that means they're number one contenders, I guess. Uh, that segment sucked. Uh, Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho's back and forth with uh, Pride Party I thought was decent. Um, I wouldn't really trash that segment. I'm just indifferent in Chris Jericho right now. I'm just being honest with you guys. I'm, I'm, me personally, I am indifferent on Chris Jericho. The demo god, the million viewer man, the uh, late champion, he could go the fuck home and stay the fuck home as far as I'm concerned. But it's nice to see Matt Hardy on television, and I think Jericho and Cassidy should have a good match next week. Uh, what else? On this uh, fun express. I'll tell you, man, I cannot wait to hear Jim Cornette review this episode of Dynamite this week because it was that bad. And that's the sucky thing about this segment right now because I actually enjoyed Dynamite last week. And guess what? I The funny thing about it, the late night Dynamite that aired after the uh, Lakers-Nuggets game the other night was better than the two-hour main edition of Dynamite this week. By the way, Anna J is getting higher and higher and higher in my waterfall list. That girl is McFlurry Waterfall, okay? <laughs> For those who are wondering. She's fantastic. Um, Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy had a match. Um, <laughs> that's all I can say about it positively. I mean, it was just there. I I, I, I thought the match was okay. I, it wasn't anything special. Uh, I knew Brody Lee was going to retain, so that was fine. My favorite part of Dynamite this week was Cody Rhodes' return. He got the black hair, looked really, really good. So it's nice to see Cody back in his real element. So I really liked seeing that. But what took it, what took it away from me, just the momentum from that, was Brody Lee's just shitty promo in the backstage area after that match. I, I love you, Brody Lee. You're a great wrestler. You're a great dude, but unless you're yelling at John Silver, I don't need to hear you talk, man. I'm just being honest with you guys. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, it's one thing to come on here and talk about booking, but I'm complaining about the actual product in the ring, and that's the issue. We have a company called All Elite Wrestling, and the wrestling is below average. As Brother Carter mentioned, it's something, it's generic. I could see this type of wrestling any any place around the world. What really makes AEW elite? I'm continuing to ask this question until AEW forms their own identity. 
So I'm sorry if I'm going to be sounding like a broken record, but I'm just shooting off the hip, guys. Like, <laughs> this show sucked bad, 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 bad. Uh, what else? Uh, I you, Guess what? You, you guys want a positive? Here's, here's one. Uh, Dun Rosa and Carl Shida had a pretty good taxi match with Diamante and Ivelisse. There you go. And then... John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And this is the thing I wanted to mention here because Brett Carter mentioned this as well. So, to make sure that people don't remember the fact that we just saw a shitty 50-minute taxi match to kick off Dynamite, Tony Khan decides, with him in his fucking uh, be- uh, his outfit that he just came out of the beach, uh, sitting at grill positions, like, you know what, Eddie, go out there. Uh, 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 Chris, give him some lights about WWE. There you go. They are so fixated on what WWE does that even when they have a shitty match, they feel like their bailout option is having a performer come out there and mention the fact about something about WWE. I put this out on Twitter last night, and I I haven't seen anybody disagree since. It's interesting that Vince McMahon is the biggest heel in AEW. Where is the heat? In AEW. Because the only sense of, sense of heat and realism is whenever a former WWE superstar or somebody else in the roster mentions something about sports entertainment or Vince McMahon. And I find that very, very interesting. I really do. Where is the heat in AEW? So I'm supposed to believe, here we go, we have Eddie Kingston talking about how John Moxley sold out. He went to the land of sports entertainers. Uh, didn't Eddie Kingston just have a WWE tryout a couple of months ago before he went to AEW? I'm, I'm just asking. Um, I, I'm sure Chris Jericho helped him out with that promo as well uh, while we're at it. So, Hey, Mac, I keep telling you guys, Stanford, Connecticut has a permanent uh, Airbnb inside Daly's place, and it's just ridiculous. So, on that note, that is what the hell is wrong with AEW? Wait, I forgot something. Seems something that AEW forgets about in all their wrestling matches. Selling. How is it that John Moxley chokes out Eddie Kingston to close out their world title match, right? And then a minute later, Eddie Kingston is back on his feet. All normal, because we got to have a WCW, WCW Thunder-style fucking brawl to close the show. Somebody tell me that. On that note, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Alright, we're finishing up here. We're hitting the final portion of our podcast this week. we got to make some... Predictions for Clash of the Champions. Or the Champions. They'll have clashes, if you will. <laughs> Make sure to wave towards the end of the podcast because we have a um, brand new episode of The Thoughts of Derrico for you guys um, at the end of the podcast. So be the lookout for that to hear Brother Carter's predictions for the pay-per-view. You know, we we're actually planning to um, have Brother Carter on the show this week um, to do like a reunion video podcast for you guys, but our schedules weren't able to line up, so 
Uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll figure out some time down the road and um, hopefully we can have another Brother Carter and uh, Brother Adam Fun Fest. So here we go. Let's, I'm going to speed through this so you guys get out of here. Um, have you enjoyed the rest of your weekend? Here's my predictions for class champions. We're going to go from the bottom to the top here. Bobby Lashley against Apollo Crews for the United States title. I got Bobby Lashley retaining. I have Oscar retaining over Selena Vega. By the way, I thought Selena had a very, very good match with Mickey James on Raw this week. So, nice to see that. I do think we see the end of Andrade and Angel Garza this weekend as they will lose to the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Team titles. I have Sami Zayn. No, I actually have Jeff Hardy uh, retaining the Intercontinental Championship in the ladder match. That's going to be a fun match to transcribe. Got Cesaro and Nakamura against the Lucha House Party for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I got Nakamura and Cesaro retaining there. Uh, by the way, for those wondering, uh, Asuka and Selena Vega will be on the kickoff show. So just want to let you guys know that. Uh, Shannon Baszler and Nia Jax will lose the Raw the, the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles to the Riot Squad and Liv Morgan Waterfall. Um, I have Bailey retaining over Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, really quick, big shout out to Ray Yorn for his promo on Monday Night Raw this week. Fantastic stuff. I'm really looking forward to the ambulance match with Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, and I think they're going to have a really, really good match. Uh, I actually have Randy Orton becoming the WWE champion this Sunday. I really do. So I got Randy Orton winning there. And then um, finally, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso for the Universal Championship. Um, Jey Uso also had another good appearance on the bump this week. You guys should go check that out. Um, Jey Uso's done a wonderful job as we're leading up towards this uh, match on Sunday. And we saw what happened last week after the Simone Street fight. Jay's praying around the title. He gives the title back to Roman. Jay's walking up the stage, and we see that change in the trance of Roman Reigns as that happened. And that was really, really cool. So uh, we all know what's happening here. The Tribal Chief is going to uh, <laughs> straight mollywop uh, Jay Uso on Sunday, and Roman Reigns will still remain your reigning, defending undisputed universal heavyweight champion of the world. So got Roman Reigns retained. So really quick, so I can scroll down this and do this properly. I have Bobby Lashley retaining. I have Oscar retaining. I have the Street Profits retaining. I have Jeff Hardy retaining. I have Cesaro and Nakamura retaining. I have the Riot Squad becoming the new women's tag team champions. I got Bailey retaining. I got Randy Orton becoming the new WWE champion. And finally, I got Roman Reigns retaining the Universal Championship. So those are my predictions for Class of Champions. What are your predictions for Class of Champions? Uh, leave your, by the way, leave the leave your predictions for Class of Champions in the uh, review section on Apple Podcasts. I'll, I'll check those out later on throughout the week and give you a shout out on air uh, if you do that. Also, I want to say thank you so much, guys. For checking out episode 224 of the Hoots Podcast, I really do appreciate the support. We are 7,000 listeners away from reaching 200,000 on Anchor, and that cannot be done without each and every single one of you. So it really means a lot to me. 
Then you guys care about what I have to say about the world of professional wrestling. I, I'm not an analyst. I'm not an expert. I'm a professional broadcaster, and I love the, the pro wrestling business. And I hope you, you gain some context, and um, hope you guys enjoyed the pay-per-view on Sunday. I hope you guys enjoyed the action from the G1 as well. I'll have all those articles for you at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, JoshyLopez94. That's G-O-S-H-I-E, Lopez94. On Instagram and at Josh Lopez Music as well. Uh, thank you to Brett Carter as always for the uh, the help as, as well for his pre-recorded segments. And don't forget, folks, leave a four or five star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. And tell a friend about the Who's Podcast. And more importantly, as I head out here for this week, remember, folks. Be the authentic product that is yourself. You're living life on your own terms, and you set the path of your life. Only you and God have that power. Nobody else. Just remember that. Always be the authentic product that is yourself. I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Class of Champions. Enjoy the G1. I'll be back here next week to review the Class of Champions. And uh, have a wonderful weekend. I'm Joshi. Yes, sir. We're going to head off. Right now to Brother Carter for this week's edition of the Dawson Derrico. Talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that will undoubtedly become the champion of your week. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Well, Clash of Champions is this weekend, and I'm going to get to my predictions. Yes, about that in just a moment. But there's a couple things that I want to talk about this week uh, before getting into my predictions to some of the biggest storylines of the week. Uh, first and foremost, our thoughts go out to the Laurinaitis family, Joe Laurinaitis, better known as... Road Warrior Animal passed away at the age of 60. Uh, just, just a horrible, heartbreaking thing. And we certainly wish all of our best out to the to the Laurinaitis family and hope that they can they can recover and they can just just get through this tragic time. That's just a horrible thing. I love Road Warrior Animal. I think he's part of the most influential tag team of all time in the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors. Uh, he was just awesome. Awesome character, awesome person, so he will greatly, greatly be missed. I think the biggest storyline of the week is uh, Retribution being revealed. And some of the names that you could see in there, you've got Mia Yim, Dominic Dijakovic, Mercedes Martinez, Dio Madden, Shane Thorne uh, are ones that were recognized, I think. And... I'm okay with them being revealed. I, I, I think it's fine. Um, however they were going to do it is however they were going to do it. I, I, I would have... It's probably not how I would have revealed them. But I think that I would have had it be a little bit more of a slow build. And just, you know, them getting into a brawl with the Hurt Business. And then someone unmasking one of them and be like, Oh my god, that's 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 Dominic Dijakovic from NXT! Or something like that. So, I didn't quite like how the reveal happened, but it happened. It's fine. The other thing I didn't really like about it is I really don't like their names. And there was a report coming out this week that um, the 
the retribution was not received well backstage as far as their names on you know that kind of sort of stuff like slapjack and t-bar and you know that sort of thing or whatever it was um I, just let them be their names. That's what I would say. That's, that's So I didn't really like that. I say just let them be Dominic Dijakovic. Let it be Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, Shane Thorne, you know, Dio Mad. Like people will recognize who that is. So I didn't really like that. And I'm, I'm kind of confused about their feud with the Hurt Business. It's the kind of – I mean I get it though because it's – it. I should say I do I, – I, I go both ways on it because – you know, the Hurt Business is clearly trying to establish themselves as heels, but then they're trying to, and I don't know, when they face retribution, it's kind of a more real-life thing, so I kind of do like that, but then they're also heels with against Ricochet and Apollo Crews, so it's it's very interesting, that side of it. Um, so I, I wasn't thrilled about the whole retribution revealed, um, just let them be who they are. And it should be fine. The other thing that I really couldn't stand this week was I read a report that Dave Meltzer gave the AEW parking lot brawl five stars. If you think that there's any reason that Dave Meltzer still has credibility, uh, sorry, if you ever have any reason to think that Dave Meltzer has credibility, this five star rating should have just gone out the window. He gave the parking lot brawl on Dynamite two weeks ago. The same amount of stars as he gave John Cena versus CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011. So you're telling me that according to Meltzer, the parking lot brawl has the same amount of of credibility and in-ring, you know, that match had the same level of, the, it, it was basically on the same level as CM Punk as, and, and uh, John Cena from Money in the Bank. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I'm sure Josh has talked about that on the show thus far, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, I just his credibility continues to decline um, every time I see him spew. Same with Brian Alvarez, man. Their 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 credibility continues to decline every single week. Now they were right about some things about WWE for sure this week. I, I didn't think Raw was a particularly strong show this week. Um, the Retribution thing was kind of weird. Um, there's just some weird angles. Not a lot of great in-ring action this week. So I didn't think Raw was a particularly great show this week. But at the same time, five stars for the parking lot brawl. Really? Ugh. And now we're going to get into my predictions for Clash of Champions this week and uh, coming up this weekend. Looking forward to the show. Should be a great show. But in looking at this card, and I've got the card pulled up in front of me here as I'm recording this. I'm looking at this, and I can't see... Well, I can see where some title changes... Let me say this. I'm going to give my predictions, and then I'm going to tell you what I think should happen. Okay? All right. So go, first off, in the kickoff match, you've got Asuka versus Zelina Vega for the Raw Women's Championship. I love, love, love that Zelina Vega is getting an opportunity. I think that's great. She's a fantastic asset to WWE. Great on the mic, obviously, and her in-ring abilities can actually be quite good. And so you pair it with somebody with Asuka, who in my opinion is the best in the world, minus Charlotte, uh, next to Charlotte Flair, and it's going to be great. Um, I've got Asuka retaining here. I see no reason for them to take the title off of her, but I love that Zelina Vega is getting her opportunity. I think that's awesome. Next up, we've got Bobby Lashley defending the United States Championship against Apollo Crews. Again, I think Lashley's going to retain here. 
I don't see any reason for them to take the title off the Hurt business. He's been, they've been doing some incredible stuff. I just don't know where Cruz and Ricochet go from here. I, I feel that they're going to continue this kind of strange feud with the Hurt business along with Retribution. So you just want to keep that in mind. But I've got Lashley retaining the United States Championship. Okay, now the next one is the is the Women's Tag Team Championship. You've got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against the Riot Squad. Now, I think that Nia and Shayna are going to retain, but what should happen is you should get the titles off of them, let them be singles competitors, and the Riot Squad is obviously they're wanting to keep them as a team for now. So I think the Riot Squad should win. I don't think that they will. I've got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler winning as uh, winning and retaining the Women's Tag Team Championship. Uh, same thing with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, you got Nakamura and Cesaro against the Lucha House Party. There's been a dissension within the Lucha House Party for quite some time. So I think Nakamura and Cesaro are going to get the victory here. Again, I think Lucha House Party should win um, and let Nakamura and Cesaro go back to being faces. That's what they're best at. Or singles competitors, that's what they're best at. But again, I guess they have nothing for them right now. So I think that Nakamura and Cesaro are going to retain. In fact, I think every champion every champion on this uh, in this card this weekend is going to retain. I don't see any championships changing hands. Now, that's not what I think should happen, but I think that every champion is going to retain this weekend at Clash of Champions. Street Profits are going to retain against Andrade and Angel Garza, and then the dissensions between them continues. Uh, Bailey versus Nikki Cross. Again, I think that Nikki Cross should win, and they should take the title off of Bailey. If there was going to be one change, I would say this would be it. But I don't think it's going to happen because I think that I don't think that Bailey and Sasha needs to be for a title. It's it's so personal; it does not need to be for a title. So I think that they should uh, that Sasha should cost Bailey here, and then Bailey and Sasha should go at it at Hell in the Cell um, next month. But again, I think Bailey's going to retain here, and they're going to make it for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, triple threat match, Intercontinental Championship, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn. I think Zayn retains here, or uh, Zayn wins the championship. Well, because Jeff Hardy is officially the champion. So, sorry, ladder match, Jeff Hardy's gonna is going to win. Uh, and then they can get some one-on-one matches between Hardy and Zayn, and then Styles can do whatever it is he's going to do. I've heard rumors he's going to go over to Raw to get away from Paul Heyman. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but... We'll see what happens with that. But I think Jeff Hardy, who is recognized as the Intercontinental Champion, will retain the title. Universal Championship match. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Obviously, Reigns retains here. But I'm glad that Jey Uso is getting his shot. He's. I think they're doing a chronicle about him, if I saw correctly. So that's going to be awesome. Um, I think that... that could, I'm really happy that Jey Uso is getting his opportunity. He's been great over the past couple weeks. So we will see what happens with that. And then finally, the ambulance match between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. <sighs> Sorry, I lied. I think Randy Orton wins the WWE cha- or the Universal Championship here. Um, the WWE Championship, excuse me. Uh, I hate to say it because I wanted McIntyre to get his opportunity to have his moment in front of the live crowd, but he will have that, and he will become WWE champion again in the future. I think they're gonna. I think this is the time Orton's gonna take the title off McIntyre, whether it's by hook or by crook. I don't know if it's gonna have something to do with Keith Lee. I don't know, but I do believe that Randy Orton will be your new WWE champion after Clash of Champions. And those are my predictions for Clash of Champions. And this has been the thoughts of Derrico. Really looking forward to the show this weekend. My final thought is 
keep fighting the good fight, folks, whether it comes to the global pandemic, the natural disasters, the social justice issues, everything that's going on in 2020. Keep fighting, folks. We're going to get through it. Wear your mask. Everything is going to be okay on the other side. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.